Welcome to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. You can find us in Germantown Hills, Illinois, right off of Route 116, or on the web at greatoakscc.org. We come together to worship and learn every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. Come, take your next step towards God together with us. Oh, brother, where art thou? If you haven't seen that movie, it's interesting. <clears throat> Confusing, but interesting. So uh, anyway, uh, this morning we want to talk about just a few moments before we actually experience, uh, get to celebrate together the baptism of uh, six folks. Um, this thing about baptism, because baptism so often is such an emotional thing for many people. And also the reason I think it's emotional is because some, there's so much confusion about it. And I know that many of us, uh, probably where we get the confusion about it or just our understanding of baptism is probably from where we grew up, whatever denomination, whatever group you grew up in. And really one of the reasons there's different ways of that is because we have to understand that different groups of churches sometimes tend to use a certain different le- levels of authority. Uh, some have the church traditions and church uh, structures as an authority. Where we as a church at Great Oaks, we believe that the, God's Word, the Bible, is our only authority. This is where we get things from. And so today what I want to talk about, if, if, if you, at the end of this you're confused, you're going like, well, that's not what I grew up with. Uh, just go and talk to your pastor, your priest, or whoever. Let them listen to this and just ask them, where did they get the teachings that they have? Because all I want to talk about today is not about putting down anybody else's, but simply talk about clearly the very simple thing that scripture talks about in regard to this whole thing of baptism because people do get emotional about it i remember a few years ago uh, in virginia at the church i was at there uh there was a, a young couple uh, in their you know mid-20s that came into the life of the church and they actually just came to my office one day and they said pastor would you uh, I, I need you to baptize our child and and i and i didn't know these people never have never seen them before in my life I said, well, we're, aren't you, a, uh, you know, connected with some church somewhere? No, no, we don't go to church. Uh, well, why do you want your child, your infant baptized? Because that's the thing to do. Well, tell me why you think that's the thing. To, well, I don't know. That's just the thing to do. And so they were very adamant about it. Matter of fact, they got so mad that I wouldn't do it because we didn't baptize infants that they just didn't say some nice things about me uh, later on. <clears throat> I didn't have a chance to really talk to them about what Scripture says, though, because they get ran out too quickly. But the thing we need to understand is that the Bible teaches us clearly what baptism is. Uh, and we have to understand the context of where it is as well this morning. And that's all I want to do. I just want to lay the groundwork. In your bulletins, there's, a, there's an insert or actually a little brochure that talks about what the Bible teaches about baptism. We're not going to cover that this morning, okay? So that's extra to take home and read as well. That's not everything the Bible teaches, but some basic things that we teach here at Great Oaks as well. Uh, in Matthew 28, 19, uh, we read these words. Uh, in, in Matthew 28, 19, it's called, what's it called? The Great... Commission. And it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nation, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These are the last words that Jesus spoke, that recorded words that he spoke before he was taken to heaven. And so the thing we understand here is these last words were important. He, bapt- he commands us not only to make disciples, but to baptize them as well. So it's important that we understand uh, this whole thing about baptism. Now, today as we look at it, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at a passage there, and then I'm going to look at some other passages as well that, uh, that are uh, not in your outline. 
And we'll talk about those as well. And uh, Matthew chapter 3, there's a story where Jesus came to the Jordan River and where he was baptized. But I need to give you a little background about, about this to understand the context of this because this is hugely important. Because if we don't understand the context, we don't understand really what was going on here. One of the things we have confusion with sometimes is the word baptism itself, the word baptize. Where did it come from? We think it's some kind of religious term, some kind of word that we use. Well, it's not really a religious term at all. Matter of fact, in the early, uh, early years of the church, when they, the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek-speaking uh, folks, they actually had a word that was called, bapt- uh, they used the word baptize. It was a common word that simply meant several things. It meant to, uh, it was used for things like uh, to dip cloth in dye, to dye the cloth. It's when you immersed, you dip the cloth in the dye. It was to baptizo the cloth. Uh, it meant to immerse clothes in water to wash them. That was called baptizoing the, the clothes, to, to immerse them, to dip them in, to wash them. Uh, there was another, it's an interesting, um, in, in history, in a footnote of history, back in the first century, there was a guy named Nicander. And Nicander was actually a physician, and Nicander kept meticulous records. And one of the things he talked about, I don't know why he had this, was he had a pickle recipe, you know? A pickle recipe. Yeah, he did. And in the pickle recipe, he uses, he says, when you take the, whatever you're pickling, uh, cucumbers, whatever, to make pickles, and after you've done all the stuff you do to them, then what you do is you, he uses the word baptizo them in the brine or in the vinegar. Uh, you immerse them in that so that they will, you know, do whatever pickles do. And uh, he uses that term. That term is a common word that was used in the first century. Now, also in the context of that as well as we need to understand the religious context because in, in uh, the place where scripture was written, uh, there was people who were basically Jewish people and there was people who were Gentiles. If you weren't Jewish, you were considered a Gentile. And a Gentile person sometimes would live in that context would decide to become Jewish. And in doing that, they'd ask, okay, what must we do? Like People all the time are signing on cards. What must we do to become a part of Great Oaks? And we'll talk to them about what it means. First step is one of those things that we do. But uh, we'll talk to them about that. But when somebody would come to you and say you were Jewish, and they'd say, what must I do to become Jewish? This is what you would tell them. And, And if you were honest, you would tell them the hardest thing first. Now, for those of you who grew up in Sunday school, you know about what I'm about to tell you. And if you was a guy, this is really hard because the first thing, if you were to become Jewish, you you were to be circumcised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was, that was a tough thing. And some, some people, you know, that's all it took. They, they ran far as they could and uh, they didn't want to become Jewish. But if you decided that circumcision was something you would do, then it, there was other things you would do. You, you were to submit yourself to the law. You were to have a ceremonial meal. There were certain things you would do. You were to have, go to the temple and, and have sacrifices. And something else that was interesting in that culture as well is you were to go down to a river or to a cistern or somewhere. And what you were to do is you were to ceremonially wash yourself. And what it was, the ceremonial, ceremonial washing was to symbolize the dying of the person to their old selves and then identifying with Judaism. And that was the process you went through to become Jewish. Now, in that same context, we read this passage in Matthew chapter 3, and it's also that John is mentioned in, in uh, all four of the Gospels, obviously a hugely important person. But we see in, in this, the first recorded time in history that we know of where someone baptized somebody else. 
Before it was something you did yourself. But this was a place where John began to baptize, to immerse, to dunk, to wash, whatever the, all the ramifications that, that was, people in history. And John was a person who was Jesus' cousin. And what he was to do, he was the forerunner, the person who was leading up to Jesus coming into the world. And his message was simple. His message was, repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, and be baptized. And that baptism was simply an identification of those people with the teachings of John. It was an identification of those people with the teachings of John. That's what it meant to be baptized. And so we see him begin to do this. And so people began to identify with John and his teachings. And, and they did it. And one day he's standing there. And, and, and all of a sudden he looks out and there's a crowd here. And he points his finger and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And you're kind of like it. He points in your direction. You're kind of confused and you feel like, you know, people pull you apart and walk on through. And it's Jesus. And Jesus walks up. And this is where we have the context of Matthew chapter 3 when it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? I mean, it's just kind of like give and take thing here. Can you imagine? You know, Jesus comes to John and says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John says, no, I want you to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, I want you to baptize me. And they're back and forth. I mean, some more. And I don't know what was going on here. You know, some kind of deal where they didn't feel like. But Jesus finally won, which is what it should be. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And then it says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. Now, if we understand what this scripture says, and if we clearly look at it, we understand that Jesus didn't get baptized to get his sins forgiven, right? Did Jesus sin? No. But what he was doing and what this is, it's a powerful spiritual symbol of identification with God. And as Jesus did this, this whole thing, this powerful, spirit, this powerful spiritual symbol um, is something that, that began to take place in the Christian world. Right after that, Jesus' followers would begin to baptize persons who came and identified with the teachings of Jesus Christ, committed themselves to him. And so throughout Scripture, we see, we see people who make commitments to Jesus Christ and then were baptized. That was the beginning of baptism in Scripture. It's a powerful spiritual symbol. Not just a symbol. You know, what is, when you see a little thing on clothes, it's got a swoosh. What is that symbol of? Come on, you know what it is. Nike, right? It's a symbol. Is that a powerful symbol? Well, some might think so. It's a powerful marketing symbol, but it's not necessarily a powerful symbol. Not all symbols are equal. And I want to tell you that the symbol of baptism is more than just a symbol. It's a powerful spiritual truth. For instance, one of the most powerful symbols that I, that I have in my life is this thing right here. You know what this is? I took it off my finger just now. I took it off that finger. It's my wedding ring. I've worn that wedding ring for almost 30 years. And in doing so, this is a powerful symbol of a commitment that I have made to my wife, Vicki. It's a powerful symbol saying that I have committed myself to her and her alone. It's also one of the reasons I wear, and it's a visible symbol, is because it means I'm off limits. And she wears, wears uh, a, a ring, and she, she's off limits too. 
Okay? Just let you know that, by the way. And, and that's what it is. It's more than just a simple symbol. It's something that's powerful in our lives. And the first thing when we understand that is that there's three things the Bible tells us real quickly that we're to understand about baptism, about this symbol, what it means symbolically to us, not just kind of a little symbol, not just something we should do, but something that really is, has deep meaning for us and why baptism is so important and why it's such a big deal. Number one, is, uh, the Bible says that when you're baptized, you are publicly standing with Christ. You are publicly standing. Like I wear the wedding ring to say I'm publicly married. It's to say I'm publicly standing with Christ. It says in Galatians 3, it says, You were all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have, have clothed yourself with Christ. It's like you put upon Christ, you put Christ upon you. It's kind of interesting. So often we wear things that are symbolic of things. For instance, how many of you are football fans? Anybody here a football fan? I know, who, know some of you are football fans. You've worn your jerseys and your apparel to church. You know, I mean, this is a church you can get by with that. And you can do that. Uh, I've never worn my Virginia Tech shirt to church. Um, Virginia Tech, who's that? It's a great team on the East Coast, you know, powerful Atlantic Coast. Con- I know, don't, don't even go there. Um, but on the back of my car, I have a sticker. It says VT. Somebody thought it was Vermont. And I said, no, it's Virginia Tech, okay? I used to live 30 minutes from there, and, uh, and I was a big, I'm a big hokey fan, okay? I'll tell you that. It's a, but many of you wear things on you because what do you, why do you wear jerseys and stuff from your teams? Because you want to identify with the team, right? You want people to know, oh, I'm a fan. I mean, people even sometimes, you know, they'll wear different things. They'll run into somebody who's a fan on the opposite team, and they'll get in fights over it. You know, it's been kind of weird as Great Oaks has grown. It used to be kind of, we were kind of like Germantown Church, then Metamora. And now we're like Metamora, Germantown, Washington, uh, Eureka. We got people from different places, you know, bitter rivals. And I'm going like, get over it, folks. We're all one in Christ, you know. I mean, it's just a team. But we, to tell you, we wear stuff like that because we want to be identified with it. In a sense, what it's talking about here in Galatians 3 is, is that when you're baptized, it's kind of like putting on a shirt that says Jesus on it. But you're doing it publicly. The reason we did it, and back here you can't even see it, but you'll see it later. And we'll see it on the screen. There's a video camera. Back here in the stage, there's a baptistry back here. You didn't even know it was back here, did you? Because it's on a level. But it's really cool. But the thing is, is when you're baptized, it's like putting on a public, it's a public stand for Christ. And why is it so important? Why is that so important? Because of what scripture says in Matthew 10. It says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly, Jesus saying this, here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. It's in a sense saying when you're baptized, it's one way of saying, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm with God. I'm with Jesus. I'm a follower. You know, I'm identifying with him. And that's why it's important to do as well. So baptism is, it says that we're a follower of Christ. It says you're publicly standing with Christ. Number two, another thing that the, the symbolism of baptism says is this, is that we're no longer a slave to sin. We're no longer a slave to sin. Uh, so often we understand, and it says this in Romans 6, it says, or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized, were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And you're going like, what does that mean? It's that we were therefore buried with him through baptism unto death. 
In a real sense, what baptism is, it's a symbol of us dying to our old life and being, and we'll talk about this in a minute, raised to a new life. It's dying to our own self, dying to the things that controlled us before. I use this as a description a lot of times with folks, especially with children, as I talk to them, older kids, about what it means to be a Christian. I'll say, you know, in your life, just think of your heart. And in your heart, there's a chair. And in that chair sits, whatever's in that chair, whoever sits in that chair is that person which controls your life. When you're a very young child, who sits in the chair? Usually your parents. They're the ones that have the greatest influence. And we wish that as, as our children grew, they would stay that way. But that doesn't happen, does it? Before long, it becomes more about me and more about my friends. And then eventually, we sit in our chair ourselves. We're the ones that control it. But in a real sense, what it's saying to us, and so that, that our self, that old self is, is living. But in a real sense, what it says when we're, we accept Christ, and, and baptism is a symbol of this, is we die to that self. We, we are no longer a slave to our old selves, to that sinful life where we say, I want what I want. Romans 6, 6, and 7 says this. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And so baptism, again, is a powerful spiritual symbol of this fact that we have been freed from the power of sin. doesn't mean that we'll not sin anymore, okay? When we're Christians, it doesn't mean that you don't have any sin in your life, okay? But the power of sin, because of what God does when, he, when you accept him, he comes into your life in the form of his spirit and allows you to live in power and overcome things you were never able to overcome before. And that's what it says there. It's the second purpose. No, no longer are you uh, a slave to sin. A third thing that, the, that baptism is a powerful symbol of is this, that you're raised into a new life. One of the things that's, I think, very powerful about the imagery of baptism and the way that it was done in the Bible. And then the way it was done in the Bible was through the baptizo, that immersion, that dipping, whatever. Is that when you go under the water, it's a symbol of dying to your old life. But when you come out, it's a symbol of rising into a new life. That you have a new direction in your life. In, in Romans uh, 6, verse uh, 4, the last part, it says this. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. When we are baptized, when the people that will be baptized today doing this, the reason, one of the things they're saying is, hey, I identify with Jesus Christ, and I want to let people know that. Secondly, you know, I'm not a slave to sin anymore, but also I'm a new person. Because of what God has done for me through his son, Jesus Christ, I'm a new person. And I will be raised into a new life. Jesus has taken up residency inside of me. And, and when we, we believe that and understand that, it means that we can have this new life. Now, I want to share with you this morning as we close and as we go toward baptism itself, uh, that there is next steps for all of us. Baptism is for individuals who have decided to identify with Jesus. It's for it's who should be baptized. Well, anyone who is old enough to understand and publicly identify with the person and teaching of Christ. It's not an age, it's a maturity level in our life. But you need to understand what that means because that is what Scripture says. And then also, it's done after you say yes to Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is all about. 
Now, this morning, uh, our kids are going to come on in. You can bring them in, on Dan. And they're going to be slightly disruptive, I'm sure, for a moment. But they're not. They're just perfect angels, you know. And we're going to let them come in. And I'm going to identify in just a minute here. We've got a whole bunch of kids that will come in. and uh, Because one of, their, one of the older kids from uh, Upstreet is uh, getting baptized today as well, along with several adults. And so we want to let them uh, participate in this part as well. Thank you so much. Y'all guys are great. Okay. But uh, this morning I want to share with you this. Regardless of what your next step is, God, there's a next step for all of us. If you've never, if you've never, never, keep your eyes up here. Don't watch your kids. Keep your eyes up here. Don't watch your kids. I knew this was going to be distracting, but I wanted to do it anyway. If you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ in your life, but you've never fallen through with baptism after you made that commitment, that is what the baptism is in Scripture. It's not to invalidate the fact that maybe in your life your, your parents had you baptized as an infant, but that's something they did for you. You can only become a believer if you make a decision for yourself. That's what Scripture says. And baptism is only valid as a powerful symbol in your life once you have made that commitment. And so if you've never experienced that, or you've never taken that step, um, you need, might need to consider taking the step. We're going to do baptism again in about, uh, about eight or nine weeks, mid-April. We might even do it. I'm not really sure, but we're looking about possibility to even do it Easter Sunday. So that might be pretty unique. Uh, and, and as we do that, I just want to let you think about that as well. But whatever your next step is, God wants you to take that next step as well. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to actually actually observe uh, some other folks that are getting baptized. We're going to see a video from a little testimony that they did, and then they're going to be baptized. I'm going to tell you that baptism is a celebration, so if you want to clap after they're baptized, you're welcome to do that, okay? Uh, you're Great Oaks, where we celebrate what God's doing in our lives. And so let's just watch this, and let's participate in these baptisms right now. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.